This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture, but it's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. All righty, Penn State football fans, you know what time it is. Blue White Breakdown, podcast time, Penn Live's Penn State football podcast johnny mcgonigal and bob flounders here taping this at lunchtime on a tuesday we are gonna chop it up uh still plenty to get to uh as penn state ended its spring with the uh fascinating blue white game at beaver stadium on saturday high scoring affair um we're gonna talk about that there's a lot more to talk about than just the score but johnny before i get to the score i i don't know how you feel about this but the weather is driving me crazy. It's just driving me crazy. I just look like I, I have a I have a ski cap on right now because it's I don't even think it's going to break, you know, get into the high 40s in Harrisburg. It was kind of a weird weather day on Saturday. Not great early, but it got better as the day went on. I just looked at I looked at like the advanced forecast. It's going to be like 50 today, 60, I think, Wednesday. And I think it's going to be almost 90 in the Harrisburg area. On Thursday, I think our bodies have had enough of this wild fluctuation. I hope you're doing well with the weather, but it's just been crazy. Yeah, I mean, I put my jackets away last week and I had to bring them back out today. In Pittsburgh, you know, this morning the low was like 34 or 35 or something. You know, something Frost like that. And, and then Thursday, it's going to go up to like 82, 83 degrees. So I guess that's April in Pittsburgh and in Pennsylvania in general, it it can get weird. Uh, We know that in state college, the weather can certainly get weird, which was the case for the spring game, right? It was raining its tail off, you know, maybe maybe not like coming down crazy, but like consistent drizzle throughout the morning, throughout the early afternoon. And then once, you know, first kick happened, it was just like, okay, like we're just going to open up the skies and we'll be fine. Like, you know, sunny and all that. So um, at least, uh, at least fans got mostly decent weather for the actual uh, festivities of the game, maybe not the pregame festivities that they really care about, but uh, you know, it was it was a fine game, like we mentioned in our post game video after at, at Beaver Stadium. Like, mm-hmm. you know, ten nothing is ten nothing. It, it's the offense isn't what it's going to be yeah. uh, in the fall. A lot of missing pieces yeah. on both sides of the ball, but especially on offense. So, but a lot to still glean from spring, and not just the game, but the really the the the, the overall uh, camp fifteen practices. Mm-hmm. And what we've been able to hear from James Franklin, his staff, and his players throughout the last uh, month, month and a half. Yeah, Johnny and, P- and Penn State fans, we're not going to bury the lead on this podcast. We know there is a ton to get to uh, on the recruiting front. Penn State uh, struck gold again over the weekend, adding a couple of other really talented players for the future. We may, Johnny, maybe we could just mention them real quick, but we're, we're going to be back on another podcast uh, Blue White Breakdown podcast um, a bit later in the week to really focus in because uh, as we talk about this, th- there's probably a pretty good chance uh, that Penn State's not done uh, uh, on the recruiting trail, Johnny. But uh, we, we're not going to bury the lead there. They, they they had a great weekend. There was a lot of good players up there visiting, uh, and a couple did commit. But we wanted to, there's still some things we wanted to get to regarding the blue and white game. There is actually a little bit there's a little bit of personnel news, but Johnny. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna really take a deep dive into what James Franklin and his staff have been able to do on the recruiting trail, uh, not only in the month of April but also you know all really throughout the off season. But yeah, they're they're not done, and we just want to wait till kind of the dust settles to really kind of 
discuss in detail what they've been able to accomplish and how they're actually attacking geographically uh, their recruiting future. Yeah, I, I think we're going to record a podcast that's more recruit, recruiting focused uh, later uh, this week. But just to mention that the couple of recruits that they've gotten, a couple of commits, uh, Caleb Brewer from Wyomissing, uh 2024 offensive lineman, uh, a guy that has been recruited now uh, over the last few months by Javen Williams, uh, the five-star from Wyomissing mm-hmm. who signed with Penn State's 2023 class. Uh, it's a good get by Phil Troutwine, uh, the offensive line coach. Don't think he's going to be done this week, uh, so we'll stay tuned on that. But then Keandre uh, Barker as well, 2025, four-star running back. Um, from a Texas high school, I believe he's actually an Arkansas native. Mm-hmm. Uh, had SEC schools all after him. And, uh, you know, 10 days or whatever it was after Quentin Martin, one of the top running backs in the 2024 class, commits to Penn State. Uh, Keandre Barker, one of the top running backs in the 2025 class, also commits to Penn State. So. They've been on a little run here. Um, I say little, you know, they've, they've gotten four or five, maybe six guys now in the month of April, starting to lose count at this point, Bob. And again, we're going to, they're, yeah. they're going to add to that total. Um, we expect in, in the coming days, uh, weeks and so. So um, yeah, a lot more to come uh, on the, on the next podcast with recruiting, but James Franklin and his programs in a pretty good spot right now, not just in the future, but uh, in the present with the type of talent that they have and the type of talent that they just signed. Yeah. Uh, that is already uh, making Im- you know an impact on the program. Yeah, that's a nice little tease for the Penn State fans. We are definitely circling back to recruiting. I think there's going to be a little bit more to talk about a uh, little bit later in the week. So we're looking forward to chopping that up, Johnny. Just a couple of just a, before we get into our thoughts moving forward after watching the blue white game. Not only just watching the blue white game, but listening to way, the way that James Franklin, his assistants, and the players just talked. Um, throughout spring, uh, I, there, there's a lot of there's a lot to get to there. But a couple of just housekeeping notes. I saw I saw Kevon Lee uh, on Twitter. I believe he had a visit to uh, Mississippi State, Starkville. I believe uh, was where I saw him uh, down there. Um, and you know he's he's a guy that can play. I just I just remember I know he's going to play somewhere. I'm not quite sure where it is, but I saw he was maybe visiting. I believe um, Mississippi State one. <laughs> One other thing I wanted to run, uh, run by the Penn State fans. Little Johnny, little did we know that Penn State was actually, I think they were showcasing Jimmy Crisp at the, uh, at the blue-white game. He was one of a handful of players. The quarterbacks, it was Tank Smith, and I think Jimmy played for both the blue and the white. And right after the game, he, uh, he's in the transfer portal. So wish him well. I don't know how big of a hit that really is for Penn State's depth. I don't doubt that Jimmy Crisp can play somewhere, but the way that Penn State has kind of stockpiled talent along the offensive line, um, there really was no room at the end, I think, for him unless there were a lot of injuries. So wish him well, but it would appear that he is uh, he is headed elsewhere. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if a player or two uh, more follow yeah. Chris's footsteps into the portal. Uh, you know, uh, a scholarship player or two that's not going to really play uh, that could, you know, seek more playing time elsewhere, whether that's um, at still at the power five level at the, you know, group of five level, or even uh, down at the FCS, potentially you look at the the guys who Penn state have lost since the end of the 2022 season uh, to the portal. Yeah. Not many like high level contributors at all. I mean, Kevon Lee is one you mentioned would yeah. be probably the, the highest, you know, 
contributor that they that they lost. But again, you the reason why he left is because you've got Nick Singleton, you've got Katron Allen. Uh, they signed to uh, guys in the 2023 class at running back, and then uh, recently, you know, brought in or you know got a commitment from Minnesota running back uh, Trey Potts right. Williams native, and so they're set at running back. The other high profile name was Christian Veyu, but uh, you know, you've got Aller, you've got Prabula and Smolik signed in this class. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of other guys end up leaving. You know, with the portal now open on the 15th. Uh, on the you know the day of the blue white game, it opened, and I believe it just opened until the end of the month. So it's not like a long winter period, uh, like there was before. It's a couple weeks. Basically, guys have those conversations with their head coach and and their uh, assistant coaches, get a feel for where they're at, uh, not only in the program but specifically within their position room. How much playing time they they can expect, how much yeah. real opportunity they can expect once training camp comes around, and. Uh, you know, James Franklin always calls those the, the tough, the honest conversations that have to be had. Uh, and, you know, for guys lower on the depth chart you know, to just get that clarity and then make a decision, we'll, we'll find out more yeah. uh, if, there's, if there's more movement over the coming days. Wouldn't be surprised if there's more attrition and really wouldn't be surprised either if Penn State, they already are a little active right now, but if they're active in the portal, because James Franklin mentioned after the blue white game, it's a, it's a need. It's a spot that we knew was yeah. a need is, is defensive tackle depth. Um, they're going to be looking for that in the portal. He also mentioned wide receiver because he said there isn't enough competition right now. I don't know if he was just alluding to uh, bringing in Dante Sievers yeah. from Penn State because he has not become official yet and hasn't been able to become official yet. Um, so, yeah, those are a couple spots where I wouldn't be surprised if they brought some depth in. And they also just sent out an offer uh, to, I believe his name is Emmanuel Pregnon. He's a, a guard from Wyoming, which a lot of Power 5 schools have already offered uh, so Penn State has also offered him as well in the last couple of days. So uh, always some little, you know, tidbits and nuggets on the portal recruiting trail, Bob. And uh, and yep. I, I would expect some more over the coming days and weeks. Yep. Blue-white breakdown. We're talking about Penn State recently wrapped up its spring sessions with the blue-white game at Beaver Stadium last Saturday. Uh, ten nothing blue win. All the all the damage done on the scoreboard was early. Uh, really, I, I was really really fascinated more so on the defensive side than on the offensive side uh, by some of the pleasantly surprised by just how deep this team looks like it's going to be. I wanted to comment on kind of something you brought up because I'm going to be writing a little bit about it. Um, I don't know how many coaches are really uh, forthcoming about this, but. Um, you know, James has always done this at Penn State right after Blue White. He goes out of his way. And these are real, I mean, and I, I believe him when he said, these are tough love talks. Um, he meets with, after, all of the players are going to meet with their position coaches. If they haven't already, it's Tuesday, like noon. And then James said after the Blue White game and his uh, post-game presser that he will meet with every player on the roster, scholarship, no scholarship. Um, and that he he said he was going to do it Monday and today Tuesday and hopefully have it wrapped up by the end of day Tuesday. I mean that's a lot of meetings, so I don't know. I'm trying to imagine having that many meetings and and being able to you know do that in a, such a short period of time. I'm Is sure just like a line out of his door, like you guys waiting. I'm sure that some meetings are shorter than others, but yeah. I can. I, my sense is that James is 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 very much. It's a two-way street. He wants to hear from the players. He wants to hear what they think about their position coaches. He wants to hear about how they think they did in the spring and about where they see themselves. But James is also going to really tell them 
where they are right at the conclusion uh, of spring drills and kind of what they need to do and how realistic it is for them to make a move this year if they want to make a move. And right after that, I, not every player, right, is going to hear what they want to hear. And I, I think that it's, I'm sure it goes on everywhere else, but I'm just, the, the thought of having that many personnel meetings, that, that has to be quite, quite an undertaking and uh, very curious about that. If you, a couple of years ago, I had the sense that when he did this, I think prior, after the 2019 blue-white game, going into the 2019 season, I have a very funny, I don't have a funny feeling. I have a feeling Tommy Stevens did not like what he heard because Tommy was not able to really work that spring and everyone thought he was going to be Trace's successor. Sean Clifford got almost all the work and spring drills made a huge jump forward. And I think James told him, look, uh, the job is promised to no one. You're going to have, it's, it's going to be a competition in August. And I think Shortly after that, he went to Mississippi State. But those are, I think those are the type of meetings that, that I think fans should know about. I think there's a lot of players that are not – not all of the meetings are going to go the way the players want them to. And I would love to be a fly on the wall on some of these because Penn State's so deep, Johnny, that yeah. it must be really tough to be, to be that open and also mindful of the fact that you, you might like a player and you don't want them to go into the transfer portal. So how, how honest is James Franklin prepared to be? Yeah, I mean, look, Nick Singleton's meeting is probably like 30 seconds long. Yeah. Like, hey, Nick, uh, let's just watch that Rose Bowl run real quick. Uh, <laughs> I think you're doing a pretty good job. I think I think you're all good. Uh, meanwhile, like the six-string, yeah. you know, guard or tackle, you know, defensive lineman. Uh, yeah. I don't even think they have six deep at linebacker, but uh, it, it, it's though for those guys, it's probably tough. Um, yeah. And. I go. I still go back to something that James said earlier this spring that you know, he's met. He mentioned that there are veterans and older guys yeah. who were, you know, either taking it light during spring or had injuries that had, you know, kept them out of spring ball. Uh, that he mentioned after the blue white game that anyone who missed the game, anyone who missed the, yeah. the blue white game, uh, will be good going forward. Like it's not nothing to be like no season enders or anything like that. Um, but he mentioned earlier in the spring that you know with these guys who are sitting out right now there it's opportunity for younger guys to finally get the reps that they really want and that they've really maybe asked for. Uh, and if they don't prove themselves now, you know, those reps might not be there in the fall. Basically he's saying like, don't come complaining to me when right. you, know, you didn't make a move up the depth charter within your position room when you had the reps in spring, because that's what spring camp is mostly for. It's for development and uh, you know, yeah. other things, too, but for, for guys who are not Nick Singleton to make a move. Uh, and so, We'll see if there's maybe a, a guy or two who enters, who enters the portal uh, who falls in that camp. Um, you know, you look at positions across the board. There's there's a handful, uh, maybe a defensive end here, maybe a tight end there. Uh, mm -hmm. We'll see. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how just how the roster ends up shaping up because we know that this isn't the final roster going. Like they are, there are a few spots over the limit, I believe, right now. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's going to have to be some attrition. Um, and it's also going to be interesting to see kind of how these guys who end up, what the roster ends up being throughout the summer, how they develop and how they end up attacking and getting into training camp. Um, because we've seen some younger guys impress yeah. uh, during spring ball, Tony Rojas, KJ Winston, uh, to name a couple. Uh, Denai Dennis Sutton has really developed well. Yeah. And uh, I mean, probably the most physically imposing defensive end 
that Penn State has, and that's saying something with uh, Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac. Um, a lot of young guys who have been stepping up throughout the spring camp, and it's going to be up to them now to to take what they hear from their position coaches and and build on it in the summer. Yeah, let's let's just let's take it one step further. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up three positions to you where a I think that they're either like incredibly deep at those positions or the or they they should be deep at the positions, but um, there might be some tough conversations. So to me, when as you were talking about, you know what 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 are the conversations like at maybe at some positions where um, if James is going to be honest with players, they might not hear what they want to hear. So um, three of them, obviously wide receiver is one, right? Because James has set the pecking order. Uh, it's we know who one and two are, and we're just kind of guessing how the how the chips are going to fall from like three through eight or nine. And there's there's just no chance, Johnny, that some of these receivers are going to be happy, I think, with what they have to hear either from Marcus Higgins or Mike Yersich or James Franklin because a, a lot of these kids were, were you know, pretty coveted players. And it was great to see Omari Evans step up. Um, and, and Caden Saunders, I thought, did some good things in the blue-white game. But there, there are some other receivers that, you know, may be a little bit older in that room that I, I would imagine those conversations might be a little more difficult. Two other positions, I don't think it's going to be quite the case, but they're just so deep that – I, I wonder how James and the coaches are going to handle it. Corner would be one, right? Because on the one hand, they want to play four or five corners in every game. So maybe it's a little different there and they're going to factor in special teams. But I mean, they, I'm sure, I'm sure Penn state probably has, they feel like they have five, six, maybe seven players um, who could probably play if they had to. And, and at the very top of the roster, their top four or five are really good. And safety's the other safety's the other. They're play, they're replacing Jair Brown and, you know, uh, Jalen Reed did not play in the game, but James talked about it. He said, you know, if you look at the setup of the safeties, we felt like the two starting safeties we had on the blue team were really good, but we also really, really liked the two uh, safeties on the white team. So that's, you know, that's five guys right there. You, f- you factor in somebody like Elliot Washington, who they like, and who's coming in August. Johnny, I just think it's a, it's a really fascinating roster management game they have to play at those three positions, but wide receiver more than any other position. If you're looking for somebody to probably come out of a meeting, not happy, it might be at the wideout room. Yeah. Just because there's so many guys and especially, you know, that Dante Cephas is coming in. Um, You know, I ended up on, on the website, put together uh, like a projected offensive depth chart uh, coming out of spring ball. And I'll be doing the same depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, I might already be out because it'll be coming out Wednesday will be the defensive. Uh, depth chart projections, but just looking at it, wide receiver was one where I'm like, holy cow, there's just a, a lot of dudes in this room that we've talked about. Keandre Lambert Smith and Harrison Wallace have separated themselves yep. throughout spring ball. And I put Dante Cephas there as a starter as well, just given his pedigree production, yep. how heavily coveted he was coming out of the portal. Uh, Amari Evans, Caden Saunders, and Malik McLean feel like they're in that next tier. Uh, Omari, after a, a nice blue white game and had, had repped with the first team for the last week or so of spring ball. Caden uh, Saunders, we talked about his talent before. He also has a really good relationship uh, with Drew Aller, um, you know, your, your heir apparent quarterback. And Malik, Malik McLean has the raw talent and, and the frame that you would want, right. um, you know, coming out of Florida State. But then you look at, you know, Malik Mega, who we, when we talked to him this spring, said that he feels like he's, he's going to have a big year. But 
Um, you know, is he going to feel like he's too far down the pecking order? Liam Clifford, Christian Driver, Tyler Johnson, Anthony Ivy, right? Are all guys that you know? If you told me that they entered the portal, I would not be surprised. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I mentioned tight end, and you know, I consider probably Mega Barnwell going forward the 2023 signee as more of an offensive line prospect, uh, given his frame and everything, but. If you include him in at tight end, which is where he's playing right now, they've got seven scholarship tight ends. Uh, that feels like a lot, um, you know. And and you've got Khalil Dinkins, who kind of emerged as the third tight end this spring with Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren taking it easy. So you know, if you're Jerry Cross, are you like, hey, do I want to be the fourth tight end in this room? Uh, do I want to test my luck somewhere else? Uh, safety is another spot where you've got the four, you got your four top guys pretty, I mean, pretty locked in. Uh, with Keaton Ellis, Saki Wheatley, Jalen Reed, and KJ Winston, the way he's performed over spring ball. Uh, if you're someone who is, you know, a sophomore in that room, uh, second, third year player, yeah. and you've got not only those four guys ahead of you, but, uh, you know, some freshmen coming in in the 23 class, you might want to look elsewhere. So these are just the conversations and the, and the thoughts that are going to be going on, uh, not only in the heads of the players, but the coaches. Uh, you know, when, when an Anthony Poindexter meets with a player like that, when, yeah. You know, Marcus Higgins meets with a player like that, and they just kind of they have to be honest. They have to keep it real, but they also want to make sure that they don't lose too many guys because uh, regardless of how much they've maybe produced for you in the past, you can always say, like, hey, we still need depth. It's not like, hey, we can lose four wide receivers this portal window. Like, they can't right. do that, uh, and I wouldn't expect that. Uh, just a handful of guys that probably won't factor in this year and maybe not next year, uh, guys who will, you know, see kind of see the writing on the yeah, yeah, Malik Mega. I thought I think I think that is a player that jumped out to me because he can play elsewhere. He can play elsewhere. Penn State does have a role for him as I think as a gunner on special teams, and I think they they really want him to to stick it out. But if, ultimately, if he wants to be a wideout, I you know with what Penn State has on the roster now and with the transfer portal, always kind of a, uh, an option to collect talent. I mean, they were able to do it with Mitchell Tinsley. Um, Dante Cephas, uh, I think, is a guy that once he gets on campus, it gets comfortable. I think his talent is going to be apparent uh, very quickly. So if you're Malik Mega, I think, you know, you're at the point in your life where it's time for you to make uh, take a hard look at what you want to do. What do you want to be? If you want to be a receiver and play and play, you know, FBS football, I don't know. I don't maybe the opportunity will. But I think he's going to need something's going to need to happen in front of him. Liam Clifford's another guy. I agree with uh, the safety that jumped out to me is Makai Flowers, who is only a second year safety. I actually thought he played pretty well in the blue white game, took advantage of the fact that Jalen Reed wasn't in there. He looked really comfortable. He's actually added some good weight. He made some nice plays on the ball. I don't think he's I don't think he's far off from earning playing time, but that's a tough hill to climb at safety for this year. When you look at who is in front of him, if Jalen Reed is healthy and and as good as Winston looks, man, holy mackerel! And then you got you got Keaton Ellis, you got Zaki. It's just he's going to play. I don't know how much how much he will play, but he's probably looking at an injury to get him on on the defensive in the defensive rotation. But he still might be a really really good player at some point this year. So that those are the some of the guys I think. Curious to see what happens in the wideout room. Curious to see what happens in the safety room, Johnny. But let's. Let's not let's let's just talk. Is there is there anything else that was on your radar maybe that we didn't talk about on our post game video on Saturday as far as whether whether you were, were impressed or concerned about a position or a player 
anything you didn't really, because we only talked for about three or four minutes, anything we really didn't get to uh, on your end? Yeah, I think it actually dovetails nicely with another player that we didn't mention who could be uh, a portal guy. Um, the, the strength at defensive end was apparent the, at the blue-white game. I mean, yeah. we watched an eye, Dennis Sutton. It's time after time, we would just look at each other in the press box and be like, oh, like he just you know bulldozed Drew Shelton or bulldozed Caden Wallace. Like Those guys were having yeah. a real time of it trying to stay in front of him and and prevent him from making Bo Perbula's life a living hell because he was running around quite a bit. Uh, so when you have a guy like Denai and obviously Chop Robinson and Disa Isaac and Amin Vanover, I think is one of the more underrated players on the roster. Sure. Uh, four and a half tackles for loss last year, three pass breakups, played over 250 snaps for them. Their top four at the end is so firmly set. Uh, and then you've got Zariah Fisher, who I think flashed in the blue-white game yeah. as well. You know, he thought that you know everyone thought that he was going to be out for the entirety of the 2022 season with that knee injury he suffered uh this time last year he actually came back and played in a couple games and um so if you look at those as the top five dns then you look at a guy like smith vilbert who yeah. you know only played in one game last year missed the regular season due to unspecified reasons and then you know i don't believe he played in the blue white game uh so yeah. is he a guy who decides to look elsewhere uh because he's He's not going to crack that top four. I think it's pretty firmly set. And then with Zariah Fisher, if he continues to, to make a splash play here and there, he could be used uh, as the fifth guy uh, in that rotation. And when you have a chop, Adisa, and Denai especially, I mean, you're not going to – like, they'll rotate. Like, you know, they always rotate on the defensive line, but you're not going to have many situations where none of those three players are on the field unless you're up by 30 against Rutgers or four right. or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I think I think D end is another spot where there's where there's a player or two there, maybe even defensive tackle because they'll be bringing guys in or a player in at D tackle. Um, so just keep an eye on that defensive line. Yeah, yeah, and I, I just I'm glad you mentioned D tackle. I think Devon Townley is the guy that was a defensive end. I think briefly left the team, came back, bulked up, and to hear James Franklin still talking about them being short at defensive tackle, I don't. I, I don't know if if Devon played on Saturday. I'm not sure that he did. I was just watching some other things. But if he did play, I did not see anything coming from him. And I know it's a new position, but he's 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 not he's not you know I think he's from Minnesota. So I just don't know maybe what the future would hold for him because I I do think that James is going to try uh, if a defensive tackle they like nationally um, becomes available if they can get somebody in that's a little bit bulkier. I think I saw somewhere that one of Katron Allen's teammates, I, I don't know if he's a Georgia Bulldog or something like that from IMG, uh, is in the portal. That, guy's, uh, that guy looked like he was pretty big, and I'm, I'm just speculating. I think James is going to, and his staff have probably made defensive tackle a priority. They know they need a guy. They need one more guy I think they can trust to play inside, especially when they're going to face some good running game. Yeah, defensive tackle's a need. It has been a need. P.J. Mustafer gone, your, your primary one technique, your plug-and-play veteran. Uh, you know, Hakeem Beeman started 12 games center him last year, but he's an under, like, he's not, he doesn't have the size. Uh, you know, he's more of a, you know, get to the pass or yeah. disrupt the disrupt the backfield kind of player. Uh, Izzard feels like the guy who would line up next to him as the starter, if not Devon Ellis, but both of them are around 290, 300. And, and uh, I know that PJ was around 320. <laughs> uh, so you want a little bit more size. Um, I love what Zane Durant, uh, will bring to the table. I feel like his ceiling is probably the highest of that group. Um, and he's added some weight, you know, this uh, throughout the winter and into yep. the spring. 
to handle the run game more. I believe he's up to like 280, 282. Um, but that's still a little, a little less than what you would want for like, that's not the position that he would play. He would not just fill in seamlessly for PJ Mustard. Right. So they'll be after uh, a defensive tackle or two, and that could have a domino effect uh, in that room, whether it's Devon Townley, who, you know, has already entered the portal before, you know, he ended up coming back. Uh, he was a D end and he came back, I think on the promise of like, Hey, we'll move you to D tackle. So you get more of a look at playing time. And I don't think that's necessarily worked out. Um, but yeah, they also have Jordan Vandenberg, Caleb Artis as well. And yeah. um, you got a, got a signee or two coming in from 2023. So we'll see how that position room works out. But like, I feel like we covered it, Bob. Like, I feel like we, yeah. you know, like, again, we'll talk more recruiting in the next podcast that we do, yeah. but coming out of spring, uh, some of the questions that we had, like the wide receiver, there's more clarity there, I think, uh, with Keandre and Harrison playing well. And playing well enough that James is willing to tell us that, Hey, they separated themselves. Uh, but there's still like, that's still going to be a question going into like the West Virginia game. D tackle is going to be a question going into the, the season opener. Uh, so yeah, but we also know that from the positives from the blue white game, like that defense isn't going to be nasty. It's going to be <laughs> it's so deep. It's so talented. Yes. It's crazy that you lose a, a Joey Porter jr. And a Jair Brown yeah. and your defense is still, going to contend to be the top defensive, you know, defense in the conference, one of the top defenses in the country. So, uh, yeah, Manny Diaz, as we've said before on this podcast, not this spring, he's got plenty to cook with. Yeah. And I really, I really think you got You got to really give a lot of credit to Poindexter, Anthony Poindexter and Terry Smith for the work that they're doing with these kids and just the staff for recruiting these guys. They, they are, they are not, they are just reloading now back there. And it's, it's been quite a transformation on the back end. Think about where, defensive back was at Penn State when James Franklin arrived not really I I don't really consider I did not consider it an impact position you know before James got here and he started playing freshman right away whether it was Grant Haley um, you know John Reed all those guys played early now they're they're getting bigger and faster versions of Grant Haley and John Reed and they're playing him right away and to your point um this defense is not going to be a defense that I think a lot of Penn State fans have seen uh, in State College since James Franklin arrived. And their, their fifth and sixth players at some positions uh, are going to be pretty good, and they would be playing starting elsewhere in the Big Ten. One more thing just before we go, because like you said, we're going to talk a lot about recruiting a little bit later in the week. I just want to say this. I've been covering Penn State since – uh, the 2002 season. This is like I would make this my like 21st or 22nd year, um, but I don't remember seeing a freshman storyline develop quite like uh, Tony Rojas did um, this this off season uh, at Penn State. When you consider, I know he was a coveted recruit, Johnny, but when you consider where he was size wise in early January. And I've, I remember first looking at his weight, and I think it was below 200 pounds. Uh, it was where they originally listed him. I'm like, I don't care how good this guy is. There is not a chance on earth. He, he's, he's, you know, this, he, he's, we'll see you in 2024 because you're just not ready. And then when James Franklin revealed halfway through spring that he gained about 30 pounds, I'm like, I don't know about that. And then I know you did a story on him. And uh, you talked, I think, to to his coach, and he's like, "Yeah, he's uh, he's a little different than when he when he when he played high school." And then to watch him play, 
in the blue-white game. And I know that they like their linebacker group other than him. But, man, he's come so far so fast. And that is something you it's hard to see. You rarely see it. And I just think that, you know, Manny Diaz is going to find a way to, to have a role for this guy because he was everywhere. And I mean everywhere in that game. It didn't matter who was trying to block him. It didn't matter what run, what running back. It could have been, you know, Katron Allen, whoever came his way, he put them down. And he's going to gain a little bit more weight by the time he gets to August. We could be looking at the linebacker picture maybe a little bit differently. I just, I was really, I just could not believe how far he came in such a short time. And if there's one player I'm really looking forward to see as far as progress being made going into August, I would say it's him. Yeah, I mean, uh, give to give a little sneak peek of that defensive depth chart, uh, you know, projection that I'm putting together. Like, if you haven't already read it, or depending on when you're reading it, because uh, I haven't fully finished it yet, but I've got Tony Rojas in the two deep. I've got him right behind uh, Abdul Carter because I feel like you know to spell him or whenever whenever Abdul will come off the field, I feel like Tony kind of fits right in to to that kind of player, that kind of mold. Uh, I mean, he shoots out of a cannon. The way he gets off blocks, the way he gets after guys. Uh, side to side, lateral sideline to sideline speed is just, you know, he's kept it right. It, which is the big thing. Like he put on all that weight and he kept it. And so, yeah, you have, you have Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs as your outside linebackers, which, you know, find me a better duo uh, in the big 10 at outside linebacker than those two. Kobe King, I think yeah. um, has the makings of a starting middle linebacker and played a lot for them last year, him and Tyler Elston, who's been dealing with an injury during spring ball. But I mean, beyond that, like, Dom DeLuca, you've got, you know, Keon Wiley. Um, yeah, I think Tony Rojas is going to play some serious snaps for them. And and I think, too, that, you know, Tony, between Tony Rojas and K.J. Winston and these young guys who we saw step up and play so well in the blue-white yeah. game, and then combined with the, the, the guys that you already knew were going to play well, the Abdul Carters and uh, Chop and Adisa and all that, like, I just think it it further reinforces that this defense is so good and the offense – having to go against that without Olu Fashanu and without Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren, um, you know, it, it wasn't that there's, so, there's only so much you can draw. If you're looking at Drew Aller and Bo Perbula, specifically Drew. Um, now look, there were a couple of throws that I think going back on it, you know, Drew missed, you know, but at the same time, it's April, it's April. You, you've got two quarterbacks who, uh, you know, while Drew played some meaningful snaps last year, it's not like he started 10 games. He played in 10 games, but a couple of them, he only threw a couple passes. Um, there's going to be growing pants with these guys. So I, I've seen just like on social media, a little bit of, uh, you know, overreaction from the blue white game, which Bob, that's, you know, stunning for overreaction for, for, a, for a spring game. But, <laughs> you know, look, it's it's one of those where it's a, it's a spring game. It's April. These guys, it's all they're running vanilla offense. There's so much time for them to to get better. And when they have even and I mentioned guys that were missing, like Dante Cephas was reportedly visiting. And so he was on the sidelines or wherever he was, but he was in Beaver Stadium. He wasn't on the field. Um, I just think this offense is not close to the finished product product. And anyone who is freaking out over it, like, hey, this is what we're gonna have. Uh, in the fall, like it's going to get better. Trust me. Yeah. And I'll just, and I, I, I'm not so as good as look, Omari Evans had a good game for the blue team uh, and they, they needed to see that. But when you look at the score and you see it was blue 10, 
white zero, blue had the established players. What's going on with this offense? I, hey, look, I, I would make the argument that maybe the three best players on the field on Saturday were on the white team and on the white team defense. Deny, Dennis Sutton, Rojas, and Winston all played for the white team. And th- th- it was not going to be an easy day. When, when you're two potential, I mean, Olu didn't play, but they're two of their best three tackles couldn't do anything with Deny. They had to double team him, and even the double teams weren't going well. No one could track Tony Rojas. He was getting to the ball before anyone else. And Winston, you know, you know, you you can't tell me he couldn't start for, I don't know, there's 14 teams in the Big Ten. You can't tell me he wouldn't be a starter on at least 10, on a, at least 10 defenses. And that's kind of why it was 10-nothing. So I'm with you, Johnny. The op- it was it was like trying to play offensive football with one hand tied behind your back when you considered how little they used their best running backs. They didn't yeah. really have any tight ends. I mean, it was a scale. And and then the white team probably had the three best players on the field, in my opinion. I mean, it could easily been a scoreless. I mean, I think I think Amari got away with a little push off on Storm Duck, or it might have been a scoreless draw. But I mean, I would take that as a good sign. That's how good the defense is going to be in the fall. Yeah. I agree, 100%. I mean, when you have Nick Singleton and Katron Allen combining for 10 carries, like, they're yeah. not going to combine for 10 carries against West Virginia guys. You know, like, and again, this is, this is speaking to, like, a very, uh, like, a minority, I think, of the fan sure. base, because most people understand that a spring game is a spring game, and, you know, you got to take everything with a grain of salt. Uh, but anyone who is hitting the panic button on April 18th, I don't know what to tell you, because it's, it's a spring game, and these things do matter. Uh, you know, KJ Winston coming out and playing well matters, and Tony Rojas playing well matters, but it's only to a, to a degree. Um, you got to take everything with context and with a bigger picture and perspective. And, uh, and I think that's what we'll do, Bob, as we navigate the rest of our actual spring. Uh, hopefully, the weather. I see the sun coming out in Pittsburgh. This is lovely. <laughs> uh, you know, and then navigate the summer. And you know what? It's going to be like Big Ten media days before you know it. Uh, it's going to be training camp before you know it. And we're going to be here talking about the wide receiver and defensive tackle question marks again uh, at that point, because we just will be. Yeah. Until Dante Cephas goes 90 yards in a yep. scrimmage, James Franklin can't hide his enthusiasm. Yeah. yeah we're going to be talking about it. But uh, <laughs> hey, listen, Penn State fans, that's it for this episode of the Blue White Breakdown. But you definitely want to check back for uh, Johnny and I talking about the recruiting trail and all the success Penn State's had, in, not only over the weekend, but really the last couple of weeks. And they're not done. They are not done. They're already attacking the 2025 class. So we're going we're gonna to focus on that uh, a little bit later in the week. But you guys hang in there. Hopefully the weather is warm wherever you are. But I can tell you it's not warm in Harrisburg. And then in two days, it's going to be 107. So I might just have to check into the hospital. Yeah, but that's, that's me. Hopefully it's warm where you guys are. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.